Hi, everyone, and welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals you have in your life. I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and I want to thank you very much for listening and being part of this podcast. The number of listens and downloads we're seeing week after week is growing significantly, and that is all because of you and also because you are sharing this with others. So I just want to say thank you, and I hope you find this episode encouraging and exactly what you need to hear right now. This is episode 11, and we are joined by Coot Blackson. Coot is an inspirational speaker, best-selling author. Coot is the author of the national best-selling book, You Are the One, and his new best-selling book, The Magic of Surrender. We'll be talking about that in just a few moments. Now, he is widely considered this next-generation leader in the, in the area of professional development, and Inc. Magazine calls him the mindfulness guru, billionaire's go-to for advice. And we have him here on the I Dare You podcast. Now, as we begin this conversation, the question for you is, what goal are you pursuing right now? And why is that goal so important to you? What was your process for landing on that goal? As you'll hear in this conversation, we might want to think just a little bit differently about that process. And so now, everyone, welcome to episode 11. And here is Coot Blackson. Coot, welcome to the podcast. It's great having you here. Thanks for having me. Listen, I have followed your career um, and your, your story. There, there may be some who have not. And so tell us just a bit about, about yourself and why are you doing what you're doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Uh, for me, it's calling. Uh, it's a mission. It's a calling from a very young age. Uh, it was never a motivation to make money or launch a business. Um, <clears throat> this is what, to, to a degree, helping people, inspiring people is, is what I felt called to do, is what I was born to do, is what I had to do. Uh, from a very young age, I was a very empathic kid. So I would, I would feel people suffering very deeply. Yeah. And uh, there was a deep desire as a five, six, seven-year-old kid to alleviate people's suffering in some way. I just didn't know what that would look like. And so uh, also... You know, born in Ghana, West Africa, father's from Ghana, mother's Japanese, grew up in London. And so as a kid, when I went back to Ghana, West Africa, around age eight, and so my father was considered the miracle man of Africa. Wow. Built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, hundreds of thousands of followers, built a huge church in uh, South London, in Wandsworth, four to 5,000 people every Sunday. So I grew up with this you know, context and with this iconic father. And so for me, <clears throat> as a young boy, um, a lot of things didn't make sense because I would question things. I grew up in this environment where a lot of folks from my father's congregation didn't have a lot of money or education yet seemed to be fulfilled and happy. They had no reason to be happy, but they were. I went to a very prestigious school, got a scholarship to a public school, which politicians, kids, presidents, kids, prime ministers, kids, they had every reason to be happy, but they weren't. And so I began questioning at a very young age too, age eight, age nine, age 10, what is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? Why are we here? Is it just to wake up, make money, make babies, go on vacation, buy a house, buy a car, and then die? Like surely there has to be more to this thing called life than that. And if so, what is it? And so this began a quest for me. And so age eight, I started to speak in my father's churches. That age, began my, eight. age eight, that began my speaking career. When I was 14, another moment where my life changed that impacted my life, I was ordained as a minister. 
I was ordained as a minister, given the mandate to take over my father's spiritual organization. Now, we didn't discuss this. It was just announced one Sunday. And you know that feeling where your heart just sinks because you know that something isn't quite right. And so here I am, I'm on stage and my father says, my son is going to take over. And I'm like, oh my goodness. No discussion up to that point. No discussion. Nothing. I'm like, I look at my mother. She looks at me. I'm like, I am. I What do you do in that moment? Right. And so I was, my fear was, I didn't say anything to my father because my fear was, if I spoke my truth, if I dared to be myself, if I dared to be honest, I'd lose the relationship. If I dared to be myself, I would lose love. I'd be outcast. I'd be alone. And so for four years, I got ordained. I went along with it. I wanted to help people. I tried to kind of fit into this, this, this expectation. But I knew that this was not my path. I knew that this wasn't right. I knew that this wasn't my truth. And so when I turned 18, I felt this deep calling in my soul to come to America. Uh, I wanted to come and find all of the mentors, the teachers that I'd read about, Jim Rohn, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, Louis, I mean, you know, the list, all of the sort of iconic folks from the 80s and 90s, you know, and I wanted to find them and go into this field. And so I felt this guidance. And I think sometimes what what your soul guides you to do won't always make sense to your mind. But I found that whenever you truly follow your soul, uh, you will always end up in the right place, even though the route that you take may not always be the most expected. And so um, terrified and scared for four years, went through a deep process of questioning and conflict and turmoil. And as I turned 18, I looked into my future. I saw that my entire life was set out for me by everyone else. I could be successful by everyone else's standards, my father's standards. But if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my truth, if I didn't have my integrity, what kind of success was that? And so I made a very heartbreaking decision, terrified, afraid to speak to my father at at the age of 18, to tell him I'm not taking over. And this was a pivotal moment that transformed my life because uh, uh, it basically, I was willing to face the consequences of my decision. I told him I'm not taking over. We didn't speak for two years. Hmm. Uh, It was really difficult, really heartbreaking. But deep in my heart, I knew it was right. Deep in my heart, I knew what I had to do, what I was being guided to do. And cut a long story short, I ended up winning a green card in the lottery, the green card lottery that brought brought me to the US. And that was a confirmation for me because here I was, I had left everything. I told my father, I had didn't come from a very wealthy background, had no connections in the US, had no support with the exception of my mother. Now I'm sitting there thinking, universe, life, you've given me a vision. I have this vision for my life to impact people, but I have no means to attain it, no means to achieve it. And I felt so abandoned by life. And I said this prayer and the next day, literally someone hands me a magazine called The Economist and I could feel something strange. I could feel chills in my body. And I look in the back and it says the American government's giving away 55,000 green cards in the green card lottery. I entered it. I won uh, three months later. And that's when I really knew that that I was on the right path. And I really, this is what I really believe because I've seen it in my life. When you follow your soul and you don't compromise your truth and you don't betray yourself and you follow what's true, life supports you. The universe supports you, even in ways that you cannot imagine. And so that enabled me as a young man to come to the U.S. with two suitcases, knew no one in the country, $800, showed up in Los Angeles, and that began my journey. 
Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. That is quite the story. At 18 years old, you did this. And yeah. most, most people, most of us go through most of our life, if at all, before we yeah. finally uh, realize that we're not listening to our soul. How, how did you get there so quickly? And what advice can, can we, uh, you know, what can we learn? For me, it was, it was really, <clears throat> it was painful. Four years of knowing that I was not on the right path. And it was honestly the feeling and the acknowledgement of the pain that I felt. I, when I looked into my future, I just saw that if I followed this path of self-betrayal, I would have to keep betraying myself for the rest of my life. And the thought of that and the reality of that was too painful, you know? And so I think one of the things that keeps us stuck as human beings are all the ways that we lie to ourselves. As human beings, we are constantly, whether we're conscious or whether we're not conscious, we are constantly lying to ourselves about who we are, lying to ourselves about <clears throat> what we feel, lying to ourselves about what we want. We stay in relationships that we know deep down aren't right, aren't aligned. We're no longer in love. We're no longer compatible. We're no longer, you know, connected in a certain, in a certain sense out of fear, out of comfort, out of self-preservation, out of guilt. We work jobs that we know we betray ourselves to do. We work jobs that we know are not a true authentic expression of why we were put on this planet. And so one of the things that keeps us stuck are the lies that we tell ourselves. And so one thing I had to do was tell myself the truth. And so if someone really wants to shift their life, if someone really wants to transform their life, to break through, to change their life, I think it really takes the willingness to ask a few questions. Number one, what lies am I telling myself? To tell yourself the truth about who you are, what you feel, what you want. And be really real, be really honest. One of the reasons we don't tell ourselves the truth is because we're afraid, as I was, of the consequences of what that might mean. And so... One thing that I think will help people is to take the pressure off of having to take any action. Take the pressure off of, taking, of having to take any action. And when you can just say, okay, I'm just going to acknowledge I'm not in love anymore. I haven't been in love for 10 years. You don't have to get a divorce. You don't have to break up. You don't have to take action. Just acknowledge the truth and sit with that. Transformation starts when we start telling ourselves the radical, real, authentic truth and being with that. Number two, what am I pretending to not know? In so many ways, I think we play this game of confusion. You know, I'm confused. I don't know. I'm not sure if this relationship is right. I'm not sure what my purpose is when deep down we know. There's a part of us at the deepest level that knows. We know. We, we know what our purpose is. Deep down, if someone put a gun to our head, we have a sense. But many times the ego plays a game of confusion. Of, well, I don't know. I'm not really sure because when we're confused, we don't have to take action. When we're confused, we don't have to put ourselves on the line. We don't have to put ourselves out there. We don't have to dare. We can always live in the safety zone, the bubble, the safety zone, the comfort zone, and hold on to the future fantasy of hope, of possibility without putting ourselves on the line and taking a risk. And so really ask yourself, what am I pretending? to not know? What am I pretending to not know? Which is a deeper level of truth. Thirdly, take a look at what are the lies that I'm telling myself? What is it costing me? What is it costing me? Lying to oneself as it was for me, as it, was, as it is for many of us, is painful. 
It's painful. Yeah. It's meant to be painful. <clears throat> if you're feeling pain and you're lying to yourself, this is healthy. That means this internal mechanism inside of you is working. You, it's, it's not meant to be, I lie to myself and I feel great. No, it's meant to be painful. And so what I tell people is the pain is a blessing. The pain is a signal. <clears throat> the pain is feedback. The pain is your friend. But what we tend to do as human beings is we distract ourselves from the pain. We, we drink it away, we social media it away, we sex it away, we eat it away, we drug it away, we you know shop it away, we work it away, just so that we don't have to feel the pain, which keeps us stuck in the cycle, in the loop. And so creating spaces in our life so that we can really feel what's true, we can really feel what's in our souls, we can really feel that deeper truth and feel the pain can begin a process of transformation. And so sometimes we create so much busyness that we don't have to really get in touch with the truth and feel the pain. The pain is a blessing. Pain is a wow. blessing. There's a lot there. I've got so many follow-ups on that. First is, are you saying that the brain likes to keep <clears throat> things confused as a protection mechanism for making the change? Yes. The ego, I, I would say the brain or even you know, our identity our perceived sense of who we think we are. The, the, the job of the ego is to reinforce its existence. The job of the ego is to reinforce our sense of meanness. And so uh, to risk to go outside of that comfort zone to change is, is for, for our perceived sense of identity can be a threat to go outside of what we know ourselves to be. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, yes, confusion is a strategy that we often use unconsciously to keep ourselves in a certain pattern, in a certain uh, identity, to keep ourselves safe, safe in a certain way. And, you know, like well, I, you, you hear people say, I don't really know if this relationship is right. I'm not sure. We go back and forth for years. I'm right. not sure. We tell our friends, is, is it, isn't it? Is it? The moment we break up with that person, we tell our best friend, you know, I knew that wasn't going to I just, <laughs> I just, I just knew it. Because deep down we know there's a knowing. Know. There know. is a knowing. And I think with, with, to truly be powerful, there has to be that willingness to take responsibility. Hmm. And I think sometimes we also avoid owning what we know, because deep down, we are afraid of owning our true power. Well, you are making me uncomfortable with this conversation. Let me tell you why. Right. Because the yes, in a good way, though, right? And, and maybe those listening are feeling the same way I am. Because you're using words like we betray ourselves. You know what, could I got to tell you, I'm more comfortable just saying I'm not happy with or things could improve. When you say, you say we betray ourselves. Um, I think you are speaking the truth. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what, one thing that, I, that I'm picking up what you're laying down here is in, in these areas of our life, tell me if I'm close here, in the areas of life that we're thinking of, whether that be relationships or career or family or whatever the situation is, to be able to speak the truth. What do I know to be true? Yes. Because we, we do know. We just we never do. actually write it down or say it. Um, am I, am I close? Yeah, we, we, we do know. We do know. And, and usually that knowing may not always be on a conscious level, but many times that knowing is, is just underneath that conscious level. Well, okay. I've got to, I'm going <clears> to <throat> give you a couple of statements and I want you to put some, some meat on the bones here. Um, sure. here's what I, here's what I believe. 
that when you, the more specific you can be with your goal or what oh, you want okay. out of life, the universe will meet you halfway or all the way. And whether it's universe or God, or whatever you, you believe, but the more specific you can get, I find that many people that I work with and coach with is they never quite articulate what exactly do they want. And, mm -hmm. but when they do get really, really precise with it and get, and then suddenly the world opens up in ways that are just, it's just really fun to watch. Uh, so that's my first comment. And what would you say to that in your experience? Uh, yes, what, in what my experience. Mean? Okay. In my experience, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat. In my experience, there is a level of truth to that. In my experience that it is helpful to have an idea and have a sense uh, and have as much clarity as you can on what you want. It is helpful. It is a level in the evolutionary process. And I will say to not get stuck there because mm -hmm. there is a level beyond that, that really what my book is about, The Magic of Surrender, that's what it's really about. And so here's the thing. Many times you might get what you thought you wanted only to realize when you achieved it, hmm, what I thought I wanted was not what I really wanted. And I was really clear that I wanted that thing. But now that I've got it, it's not what I really ah. wanted. It's just what I thought I wanted based on who I thought I was. Your manifestation will be to a degree limited. And so for me, I ask, I invite people to ask a different question. Yes, have a sense of what you want, move in that direction. However, don't get attached to the goal that you've set. Set the goal, no problem. Don't get attached to the goal that you set because sometimes the goal that you set is not really the goal that your soul wants. It's not really the authentic goal. Sometimes the goal that you set is a necessary evolutionary carrot or puzzle piece that takes you on the journey that you need to go on. And every step of the journey in pursuit of that goal is really the goal. And everything you need to learn on that journey towards that goal is more the goal than what you think the goal is. But when we get so attached to that goal being the goal, like it's got to be that, then we're not open because sometimes that's not the goal. Sometimes it's over here, but yeah. we needed to, to go there to get over here. So I would say set the goal. Don't be too attached to it. If you're going to be attached to anything, be attached to the learning and the growth that the goal takes you on. The question I invite people to really ask is not just, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? The question I invite people to ask is a different question. To me, this is a new paradigm of surrender. I call it soul setting, not goal setting, soul setting, because your soul is infinite. The, the mind that sets the goal is limited. The soul is infinite infinite possibilities, no limitations, all possibilities exist. You're not limited to the conditioning of your past or your identity in any way. To me, the question is really feeling. But to me, this is the paradigm of surrender. What life can create through us is often more than we could have even planned for ourselves. The best things happen that we don't plan. And even when the goals that you set don't happen. We have been conditioned in our society to think that's a failure. And I'm actually saying that sometimes your goals not manifesting is a blessing. Interesting point, right? We've been 
in, uh, trained uh, or conditioned that if, yes. you want a, if you want a goal, if you control everything, man, just control. take control. Your book is The Magic of Surrender. Why did you write this book? What okay. was behind it? Honestly, this was to, to my point, right? You talk about setting a goal and having intention. This was not the book I thought I was going to write. Really? This Look, I had an idea of the book I wanted to write. <laughs> ah, I wanted going to write this book. You know, you have all these best-selling books, the magical something of tidying up, tidying up, you know, with Marie yeah. Kondo. Like, oh, that's a bestseller. The, so, uh, so uh, I'm not giving an F, right? That's all. Oh, that's an interesting, you know, <laughs> sexy title. And so I had all of these titles. One day I put on a whiteboard, and this shows the limitation of yeah. the mind, Okay. I put on the whiteboard hundreds of ideas of book ideas. Ah, publishers would love that. That would be a bestseller. You know, people want that. People want that. I want, wow, all of these ideas, but none of them honestly felt real. None of them felt authentic. You asked earlier before we started this conversation, wow, you know, you must be on a grind of doing podcasts and what have you. The truth is I can do six podcast interviews today Okay, and be just as excited because the, the theme of surrender is real for me. It's it's like it's authentic. It's not just some marketing thing that I'm talking about. Blah blah. It, it's it's like it's it's, it's who you so, are, right? It, it's 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 something from my soul. And so I sat down with all of these hundred title different options. Try you know when you try to force something to be that's not quite. It just doesn't quite fit. And nope. I realized. None of these are it. I can't, within my integrity, say any of these are the book. And I sat down, I surrendered, and I said, I don't know what it is. The only word that stood out for me was the word surrender. Hmm. And I thought, I have a feeling. That's the book. That is the book. It's, it's about surrender. And I realized that that was the book that was seeking to be written, not the book that I wanted to write. That was the book that was seeking to be written. And in that moment, I also realized that my job was to not write the book, even though, yes, I wrote the book. My job was to really be a vessel and be in service to the message and the soul of the book that was seeking to be written. The seed of the book, I think, was planted because my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And and that's when the seed of the book was planted uh, in 2016. And I didn't... I didn't realize it at the time. I was on a high traveling, promoting my first book. I get a phone call from my father, which is kind of unusual. He says, hey, your mother has cancer. Oh I, call my. My, I, I call my mother. And my mother was the closest person to me, my everything, you know, she raised me. And so she was like a soulmate love of my life. And so hearing that news was truly devastating. I started flying back and forth from Los Angeles to London every month every month to be with her for like a week at a time. And my, the ter- I was determined that I was going to heal her, that I was going to, you know, using alternative therapies, get her well. Within about two months, I realized she's going to go. Mm. And, and I had to surrender. I had to let go. And it was really difficult. But when I let go and I accepted that she was going, and this was her soul's journey. It, it, it freed me up to be with her even more fully because I realized that, because I was no longer resisting, like every moment could be the last moment I have with her, you know? Every dinner, every chemo session, every 
time she washes the dishes, every lunch, every breakfast, every walk, this could be the last time. And so every moment became incredibly precious. Every moment became so sacred. And then I really saw like, wait a second, every moment's always been sacred. I just haven't been fully in tune with it, fully in touch with it. And then here's where I think the book was planted. The seed of the book was planted. Six months into the, her process with chemo, the doctors basically said, there's nothing else we can do. You're going to die. So mm. in a nice way, they say, right. get your repairs in order. And I remember walking out of the hospital room with, with, with tears in my eyes, actually. I couldn't hold it back. You know, I'm someone who I'm strong for the world. But in the face of my mother dying, I couldn't hold my tears back. And I looked my mother in the eyes and I said, I said, are you afraid? I asked her two questions. She said, are you afraid? She, and she looked me in the eyes and she said, no, no kidding, just no. She goes, I know I'm not just this body, I'm a soul. And, and this body is a temporary vehicle for my soul. So I'm not afraid, I know who I am. And so I said to her, mom, is there anything I can do for you in your final days to be, I wanted to be a good son. Where do you want to go? What do you need? She said, <clears throat> she simply said, there's nothing I want and there's nothing I need. All I want, and this was the key to surrender for me. All I want is what God wants for my life. And it was a very simple statement. But I saw that she wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. She was just open to her journey. And that openness was her freedom. And in this entire year, she was in peace, like really in peace. This woman was in peace with her existence, whatever it was, living the moment with as much grace as she could. And so I realized that was a moment where through her, I learned a lot about what real surrender is in the moment of something real, which was death. And that, that whole thing inspired the book. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story. And I'm sorry to hear about your mom. You I, know, feel her, I, I feel her with me all the I'll, time. I bet. I bet. You know, Coot, you've a uh, very provocative point of view here. And you talk about opening yourself up and surrendering and listening to the universe. Um, and I may be paraphrasing here, correct yes, me here. Yes. But look, if um, to, the, to those who are listening in, they may be asking the question, man, oh man, life is so busy, so many distractions. In fact, while I've been listening to this podcast, I'm receiving text messages and emails and notifications and the kids are crying, the dog's barking and go on and on and on. How do I, as you said earlier, creating space? How do I create space so that I, I am in tune with and receptive to the surrendering process? Yeah, you know, I would say create space to unplug yourself from the constant nonstop hypnotic distractions of life. You know, the media, the media has no investment in your mental health. The media, look, I'm just going to say, you know, the yeah. media... The media has no investment in you being happy, in you being free, in you knowing who you are, in you being whole and complete, in you being at peace with yourself. The media has an investment in you being disconnected, disappointed, frustrated, misaligned, feeling not enough, so that you can be sold a bunch of stuff that you don't really need. Oh, you, you're not enough, you're not enough, you're not enough. This is what beauty looks like. This is what successful looks like. This is what, you know, sexy looks like. And if you want to be like this, wear this underwear, 
use this pen, drink this soda, wear this watch, and you're going to be enough. And, and so there is an agenda, we could say, you know, of the media and advertising to, yeah. dis, to, to, to uh, shall we say, distract you, to disconnect you in a fight for your attention. It's eyeballs, it's attention, it's advertising. And so we have to be discerning and diligent with our consciousness and our perception. Unplug. Like, I don't watch the news for the most part. I don't watch television for the most part. I don't watch, you know, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, unnecessary social media for the most part. Right. I, so we have to be discerning, truly. We have to be discerning of what goes into our consciousness, our awareness, so that we can be in control of what comes in and as a result of ourselves. Yeah, very empowering, uh, very empowering <clears throat> thought uh, and a process. And the way that you're thinking about this, about, about it takes some courage to relinquish, relinquish that control and to surrender. <laughs> Absolutely just love it. Uh, the name of the book is The Magic of Surrender. Could tell us, I mean, really, you've, you've laid out here a lot of really interesting points of view. How can we stay in touch with you, get involved into more things Thank that you're you. doing? Where can I just say one, one thing real quick? Take a few seconds, 30 yeah. seconds. It's like you said it takes courage. On one level, I agree. It takes a bit of courage because it's counter to what we've been conditioned to do and how we've been conditioned from childhood to be a certain way, act a certain way, develop all these defense mechanisms to keep us safe. So on that level, it takes courage. But what I just want to, you know, lead people to think about is, I, I want people to really understand that surrender is easy. Surrender actually is the easiest thing on the planet. Surrender is, people are like, what? Surrender is actually so natural. For instance, here we are. For those listening on audio, I have a pen, in my hand as a fist and my fist is holding this pen and here we are imagine this is how we've been conditioned we've been conditioned by life and society we're holding on holding on holding on holding on holding on it's harder to hold on it takes energy to hold on the thing is we've just gotten used to holding on that's the only difference it takes so much energy to hold on and now holding on feels natural but it's not so does it really take courage? Does it really, is it really difficult to just let go? So I'm actually saying that letting go is actually easier. We just got it in reverse because of our conditioning. And so uh, I just want people to just open to the possibility that, wow, surrendering, it's, it's exhilarating. It's beautiful. It's, it's actually easy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like when you need to use the restroom, is it harder to hold on and not use it? Or is it easier to just go and use it? It's yeah. much easier to go and use it. Now, hopefully that, that gets my point across. You know? It does. Now, I, now I'm tracking completely with you. I got exactly. you Exactly. So, so uh, anyway, yes. So for those that would love, I'd love the conversation, by the way, and those that would love to keep in touch. Uh, yeah, the paperback of The Magic of Surrender is coming out on May the 3rd, depending on when you listen to the conversation. Uh, May the 3rd, go to Amazon pre-order the book. I am doing a very, very, very special one-time only uh, virtual seminars. Virtual, you can do it from wherever you are around the world, doing this once. On May the 7th, the seminar is called Reinvent Life. I want to invite every one of you to join. Basically, it's like this. In celebration of the paperback book, if you pre-order the paperback on Amazon, you get to attend the Reinvent Live on May the 7th as, as a gift from me. 
just need to go to Amazon and then go to the website www.kootblackson.com forward slash reinvent seminar. That's K U T E Blackson, B L A C K S O N.com forward slash reinvent seminar. Uh, enter, once you go to that website, you can just enter your receipt information on that website. That gives you access to the seminar on May the 7th, plus a whole bunch of free gifts. Uh, people want to find out more. Also, Instagram, Coop Blackson, uh, Facebook, Coop Blackson, my podcast, Soul Talk. If people want to take a deep dive uh, in a transformational journey, uh, twice a year I do an event to Bali. That is one of the favorite things I do. 12 days deep dive. It's called Boundless Bliss, www.boundlessblissbali.com. Very good, Coot. L- last question for you. When people buy the book, The Magic of Surrender, yes. what is it that you hope that they think or do differently than they're doing right now? Um, that they trust life profoundly. And as a result of trusting life profoundly, that the result for them is a real feeling of peace, flow, and freedom. Kut, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. It has been so much fun meeting you and learning more about your background and more importantly, where where you're using your talents to make this world a better place. So thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. What a thought-provoking conversation with with Kut Blackson. I really appreciated his challenge on being able to let go and to surrender. And through that surrender, we just might find something bigger on the other side. Now, I invite you to follow me on Instagram at DarrenJohnson1. Drop me a message. Let me know how you like the episode. And be part of this community on Instagram at I Dare You Pod. You know, thank you very much for listening to the I Dare You Podcast. Uh, your feedback on the guests that we're having is really fantastic. And the growth that we're seeing in the number of listens and downloads is really unbelievable. And it's all thanks to you. So thank you so much for listening and for sharing this with your friends and family.